Welcome to the 191st episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a brief overview of Patrick's weekend predictions, a quick Super Bowl preview, and our weekly looks at NBA and college basketball action. Let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. We will start in the NBA, where Patrick went 1-3 and three in his NBA predictions. Then moving to college basketball, Patrick went 2-2. Two and two. So Patrick went 3-5 and five combined this past weekend, bringing him to a 656 and 425 overall record. That's a 60.7% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your weekend predictions? Well, I didn't think they went too bad, all things considered. Um, I haven't had a losing week in a very long time. Really have had positive weeks that have raised my winning percentage for a while. I think since I've been above maybe 59.1-ish percent, I've kind of been climbing steadily since then uh, in the middle of the college football and NFL season. And now it's just basketball season. And normally my most accurate league is college basketball. But this week was a hard week to predict. I mean, if you... If you use analytics websites, Ken Palm, Haslametrics, whatever you wanted to use, pretty much most of these games were supposed to be decided by less than an, a, an actual point, really by decimal points. So it was kind of hard to predict um, what would happen. I mean, Kansas has played better recently after they had a three-game losing streak, and it looked like they were back. And then you have to take into account that Iowa State is so much better at home than on the road. And really, I just that one was just kind of a toss-up for me, and I'm someone who has rated Kansas pretty high throughout the year. So I thought I would just stay consistent with that. And if they lost, I wouldn't really be too surprised. Um, on the other hand, I was very low on Miami. Um, so, or sorry, very low on Clemson. Um, probably one of the lowest in terms of all the bracketologists out there as well. Um, so I didn't really think they were going to win that game. And I wasn't very surprised that they ended up losing to Miami at home. Um, I will say that top 25 teams don't lose games to bottom of the ranking teams at home. That's just not something they do. Um, Clemson hasn't played anybody all year. And when they have, they haven't won the game. So I don't think that a win over Pitt is enough of a signature win to hold up a resume. Um, if it was, then Michigan would be a lock for the NCAA tournament. And we know that's not true. So that one picked Miami, knowing that Clemson really isn't as good as people think they are. Wanted to really prove a point there. Obviously, I forgot to mention that Kansas did lose that game, 68-53. Uh, to 53, Iowa State played great. Uh, but regardless, that was my rationale behind picking it. And then Texas and Kansas State, this was really, really a toss-up. Um, I do believe that Texas is a better team than Kansas State overall, but I just thought that Kansas State put up 116 points on them on the road earlier this season. Um, so I thought that, you know, going back at home, Kansas State would probably be able to not necessarily put up 116 points again, but at least put up a good enough performance to actually beat Texas. I really do think that Texas is a better team than Kansas State. Again, I should reiterate that. But at the same time, the fact that they had beaten them earlier in the season at the moon, at the new Moody Center really gave me confidence that they would win this game at home. And they were really, really close. I mean, this is a one-point game with 13 seconds left or so. Uh, and Kansas State held the lead through pretty much the entire first half and maybe the first five or six minutes of the second half. And then Texas held it for the rest of the game pretty much. Uh, but then finally, St. Mary's beat Gonzaga 78 to 70 in overtime. This was a good game. Um, St. Mary's is now 10 and 0 in conference and all they need to do. I, I said it. I think I said this off the podcast, actually, now that I think about it. But all St. Mary's needed to do was split with Gonzaga and beat every other team in the conference to win the conference regular season title and snap Gonzaga's streak, which I think is upwards of maybe 10, 12 years at this point. 
Uh, maybe even longer than that, because I know they made the tournament at least 20 years in a row. So it might be longer than that at this point. Uh, but at the same time, all St. Mary's needed to do, split the series with Gonzaga. Gonzaga already has another loss. So that means that, well, Gonzaga now has two losses in conference, including that loss to Loyola Marymount at home, and now this loss to St. Mary's. So St. Mary's takes over the lead in conference by two full games over Gonzaga. They can now afford to lose at Gonzaga, and as long as they take care of business in the rest of their schedule, they will get the one seed in the Western Conference. Or sorry, in the well, it is kind of the Western Conference. It's the West Coast Conference. It's close enough. Um, in that turn in that conference tournament when it comes around. And by the way, we're getting dangerously close to that time of the year. We're about three weeks out from some of those conference tournaments starting. Three weeks from tomorrow, actually, the first conference tournament starts. If you can't tell, I'm definitely not tracking those at all. Um, and I believe the WCC starts either that Wednesday or that Thursday, because they play before the Pac-12 does in Vegas. Uh, but that's all I got for college basketball and the NBA. The Suns pulled out a surprising win over the Celtics. I'm not going to lie. They beat the Celtics on the road without Devin Booker playing. He's been injured out for a while, and the Suns were just able to come out, play a good game, and win. Uh, then I picked against the Clippers because I generally don't pick them in any game where I think they're close to the other team because you just never know who's going to play for them. Uh, this time, Paul George and Kawhi did play. The game still went to overtime. The Knicks took it to overtime, but the Clippers ended up winning 134 to 128. Uh, got those two wrong. And then the Bucks beat the Heat uh, 123 to 115. Giannis had a great game in that one. And the Timberwolves beat the Nuggets 128 to 98. I predicted that incorrectly uh, because the Nuggets, I did not realize, were playing the second um, night of a back to back. And four of their starting five were out. And in case you're wondering, how important the four were. Yes, it did include Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. So I didn't realize that the Nuggets entire core would be out in that game. And uh, that just kind of, that's why I'm not too upset with a three and five week this week, because one of the games is in overtime. And then you have this debacle with the Timberwolves. And I'm really not too mad at the college basketball games because I knew they would kind of be toss ups in the first place. I picked two road teams and two home teams. Um, Three road teams ended up, or no, two two home teams did win, um, but I only got one of the road teams right and one of the home teams right, and then flipped the other two in the Big Twelve. Uh, but overall, kind of more satisfied than you would expect with the three and five week, but definitely looking to do better next week. Yeah, that Timberwolves Nuggets game should have had an asterisk on it, uh, uh, as you know, you you follow the NBA closer than I do, and I, I caught uh, their coach's rant. Um, about the ridiculousness of the scheduling. I think they tipped off, he said, 22 min on the road, 22, min 22 hours after their previous game. And so they basically waved the white flag in that game. I'd put an asterisk on that one for you, Patrick. But you're too honest. You're going to take the L. Uh, let's see how Patrick does next weekend. His predictions, as always, will be posted on our website on Thursday. That's at fourthand24.com. Let's move off Patrick's weekend predictions and do a quick preview of Super Bowl 57. Well, I don't know what your thoughts are in this game. We talked about this a little bit briefly last week. Uh, this is probably only going to be about two, three minutes long because I'm sure we've heard plenty of discourse on other shows this week. Um, but look, I'm picking the Eagles. Um, I will go on record and say that this time I will not do what I did last week where, or I guess that's two weeks ago at this point, where I said I would pick the Chiefs and then pick the Bengals. This time I am picking the Eagles now and I will continue to pick the Eagles later in the week. Uh, the over-under in this game is 50. Philly is favored by one and a half. Interestingly enough, this game opened as a pick'em line, and the in it quickly, quickly, quickly shifted to Eagles minus one and a half, and then really has stayed there ever since then. So it's very uh it's very true that the betters are heavy on the Eagles. 
Um, if you want to talk about money, you can get a ticket to State Farm Stadium for the Super Bowl for as low as $4,380, which is about the price that you can get a ticket for possibly LeBron's game uh, on Thursday if he doesn't break the scoring record tomorrow, because if he doesn't score 36 tonight, he will be um, pretty much guaranteed to get it on Thursday. But that's a different story. We'll talk about that in the NBA maybe a little bit. Uh, but look, I think the Eagles have the all-around rushing attack. I just don't think the Chiefs on defense can kind of withstand what the Eagles can put up. And I believe that Jalen Hurts will do just enough. Uh, if you want to talk about Super Bowl MVPs, I think it's a really, really interesting year. I would stay away from betting it, honestly, um, because I could see the Eagles having a defensive player that gets it because I don't really see Jalen Hurts having an insane game uh, worthy enough of getting the Super Bowl MVP, although we've seen quarterbacks get it in years that maybe they shouldn't have multiple times. So maybe he is still the safest bet. I believe heavily that the Eagles strongly, I should say that the Eagles are going to win the game. So I wouldn't put my money on Mahomes for that because I just don't think they're going to win. And I don't think they're going to give the Super Bowl MVP to the team who doesn't win. Um, so overall, I, I think maybe it's a defensive Eagles player. Maybe it's AJ Brown. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a few big catches and, you know, maybe Hertz throws for 250 yards, but 130 of those are to AJ Brown. Then all of a sudden it could be his award uh, kind of to win. But they don't have, they kind of have a running back trio with Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, and Miles Sanders. And then Jalen Hurts is a runner as well in the read option. So the rushing yards, even if they dominate on the ground, probably won't skew heavily enough in one guy's favor to give him the MVP. So this is a really interesting year to bet Super Bowl MVP if you're not thinking that the Chiefs are going to win the game. I would say stay away from it, to be quite honest. Um, but in general, I think the Eagles are going to win. I'm going to go Eagles 31 Chiefs 28. I think it'll be a high scoring game because I don't really believe that the Chiefs defense is going to be able to do enough to hold the Eagles down. And I do believe in the Eagles defense, but I still think that Patrick Mahomes is good enough to score on it. Maybe 31 28 is too high. Maybe more like 27 24 is more accurate, but maybe that's just me being swayed by the over underline telling me to do that. I'll, I'll stick with 31 28 actually. That, that's my final, final, final number. Uh, but what do you think about this game? Who do you have winning the Super Bowl this year? Uh, I'm going to be a little contrarian here and go with my heart. Um, I'll take the Chiefs by one. I was going to say 27-26 or something. And then you said, actually, I was going to say 31-30. Uh, then you said 31-28 the other way. So I was going to move it down like you did. So I'll, I'll stick with 31-30. I'm rooting with my heart. Um, I want to see, I'd like to see Andy Reid beat his former team. Um, I don't know why. I just like that kind of stuff. And I'm assuming Mahomes is going to be, you know, with two weeks of treatment is going to be fairly healthy and that's not going to play a part in things. Of course, that's the risk uh, in taking the Chiefs is one bad roll of a, a leg or, you know, tripping over somebody or who the heck knows getting twisted up uh, and and the, the Chiefs could be in a world of hurt. I don't think Chad Henney, as much as I love him, can, uh, can, can rally the Chiefs to victory in this game. So I'll go with the Chiefs by one, 31 to 30 um, in the Andy Reid Bowl. And that, those are my thoughts. So let's move on to our weekly recap of the NBA season. Uh, and before we do our usual talking about teams, let's talk about the biggest news of the week in the NBA and arguably the biggest news of the week in all of sports, maybe with the exception of Tom Brady's retirement. Well, the Dallas Mavericks traded Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, two second round picks and a 2029 first round pick to the Brooklyn Nets for Kyrie Irving. Uh, this story evolved as the week went on. First, it was just a little tiny report that Kyrie might be requesting a trade. And then it was formally Kyrie requested a trade. 
uh, named some destinations. They said the Mavs, the Suns, possibly uh, the Lakers, the Clippers, maybe the Suns, not so much. But then the Suns actually in the wake of this trade are now actually looking into acquiring the services of Kevin Durant if the Nets decide to tear it all down, which is very, very interesting. Um, but look, this is big, big news for Luca. Um, I think without argument, Porzingis and Brunson were great players, but Kyrie is by far Luca's best co-star and the stats back that up. I think this could be the best iteration of the Mavs during the Doncic era if they're able to go through and move through all the distractions that Kyrie kind of brings along with him, all the extra baggage. But look, the highest scoring average among all of Luca's teammates in Dallas was 18.7 points from Porzingis and Harrison Barnes in 2017-18 and Christian Wood this season are the only players to average 17 plus in their Dallas tenures alongside Luca Brunson. Uh, his best season average was 16.3 points per game last year. And to put that into perspective and describe how much Kyrie will impact the Mavs, even in his rookie season, he has never averaged under 18 and a half points per game uh, throughout the course of a season since 2016, 17, he has never averaged under 23.8 points or five assists per game in any season. Those are the lowest numbers. Those didn't even come in the same season, actually. Uh, but that, I mean, look, you're getting a guy who bare minimum is 24 and five uh, on average. Luca has never had that as a co-star. I mean, no, no offense to the guys that he has had around him, including some guys who are still on that team, like Tim Hardaway Jr. But he has never had a true top of the line number two option because frankly, Kyrie isn't a number two option. He's a number one option. Um, he should be. But on this team, Luka will still be kind of the MVP guy, um, and Kyrie will take a little bit of a backseat. But Kyrie has played with LeBron James before, and and obviously playing with Kevin Durant last year, playing with, or, you know, playing with Kevin Durant over the last few years, uh, also playing with James Harden, obviously. He's used to playing with co-stars that are big, big stars. He can take that kind of backseat and still shine. And frankly, he doesn't even need to take that much of a backseat. Um, he could just play off. Luca very well it'll take the pressure off Luca to ball handle a lot it will maybe even allow him to lock in more on defense because he won't be expending as much energy just entirely carrying the entire offense overall I like this trade uh, all around for the Mavericks okay let's uh, move on to our usual uh, look at the NBA usual topic starting with your three most impressive teams of the week I will start with the Milwaukee Bucks, who went 3-0 this week. They beat Miami, the Clippers, and the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Bucks have won seven games in a row, and they are now just one game back of the Celtics. Chris Middleton came back on lim limited minutes. Uh, he technically came back last week, and I realized that I mentioned on the podcast that he was out for a while. I actually did see that he had played, and that's why I had mentioned his name, but I forgot to say he had been out and was just coming back, but now he's officially kind of back in the swing of things, but still on limited minutes. Um, while I was watching their game against the Heat, because I predicted it, he scored 24 points in just 20 minutes. But they said, I mean, they literally, they put him in for two minutes in the fourth quarter uh, in, in with kind of three to four minutes left because he was on a, a minutes limit as, as uh, ascribed or prescribed by the trainers. Um, so they got all they could out of him and he had 18 minutes, 18 and a half or so minutes played. They put him back in for one minute, one and a half minutes. To get to that 20, he scored four points or he scored two points in that two minutes. And that was all they could squeeze out of him. But Middleton playing very well in those limited minutes. I think he's had 24, 18 and 20 since he came back, uh, despite not playing over 20 minutes in any of those games. So incredibly efficient uh, for Chris Middleton. 
Um, but the Bucks overall just playing very well, very, very close to that number one seed in the East. Then you have the Orlando Magic. Uh, they beat Charlotte, uh, Minnesota, and Philly this week. They also lost to Philly, but taking one out of two from Philly is pretty good. Uh, this team is getting dangerously close to making the playoffs really out of nowhere. They were at the bottom of the league for most of the year. And, you know, they've been in rebuild mode for uh, kind of a while. So it, it, I guess I, I would say it had to become something at some point. Like at, at some point, you got to have all these draft picks, Franz Wagner, uh, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony. They, they got to become something. And it seems like all it took was getting Paolo Bancaro as the final piece the current rookie of the year favorite who's averaging 20.3 points per game, 6.5 rebounds and 3.7 assists per game that every single one of those numbers actually leads the Mavericks. He also leads them in steals with one per game. So Paolo playing great, uh, showing why he was the number one pick definitely deserved to be. I was a heavy backer of him the whole time over Javari Smith and Chet Holmgren. Um, so I will pat myself on the back for that because I actually will say that I'm normally not good at that kind of scouting stuff, but I will say that, what I saw from Paolo Bancaro in college, the dude looked like he could be unstoppable at every level, at any level. Um, and that has proven to be true so far. So the Magic playing well with their new star uh, in Orlando. And then finally, you have the Portland Trailblazers who went three and one this week. There were other teams who went three and one, I should mention. But these teams were, you know, they're farther down in the standing. So it is more impressive when they do it than when a top team, say like Denver, does it. Uh, but they beat Washington, they beat Memphis, and they beat Atlanta this week. They lost to Chicago, but the Blazers are now a half game under 500 and a half game out of the 10th seed in the congested Western Conference race. Uh, Damian Lillard is averaging 30.9 points per game, and the Blazers are starting to turn things around as they contend for a playoff spot in the Western Conference. Okay, let's move on to our next topic, which is the most disappointing teams of the NBA for the week. Well, I've harped on it a little bit too much, but uh, the Spurs, they went 0-3 this week. They lost to Milwaukee, uh, Washington, and Minnesota. The Spurs have now lost eight games in a row and 13 of their last 14. Not sure if those teams are actually accurate, actually. I think those might have been teams from last week. But anyway, uh, if Popovich is done after the season, he will go out on a very, very sour note, which is kind of sad for him. And this will be one of his worst sports, worst Spurs teams. Um I wouldn't be surprised if this is the end. I wouldn't be surprised if just like last year, I harped on how bad the team was until the end. And then it doesn't end up being the end for him. You never really know when he might retire. Uh, but Popovich, obviously an all-time great coach, but really he should probably retire soon because all this team is doing is just lowering his uh, his career winning percentage. <laughs> um, and he's kind of achieved all the things there are to achieve at this point. So I don't really see the need in him sticking around, but uh He's not a, he, he at least is not, um, you know, sour about it uh, in the outward facing sense of things. Then you have the Grizzlies who went 0-3 this week. They lost to Toronto, Cleveland, and Portland. Uh, Memphis has now lost eight of their last nine games. This week they went 0-3 against a relatively, I'll say medium difficulty schedule. They also had an end of the week controversy as well as John Morant and some of his, uh, as the articles are putting it, associates um might have been trailing the pacers bus last week um and had done various things that probably you shouldn't do jaw does not have the greatest history when it comes to these off the field things has made some threats at fans before on twitter um that i won't talk about right now but i think people will remember if you think back a little bit so it's an interesting situation, but for the Grizzlies to go on three and then have that happen at the end of the week as well, it's just not a great look for them. Uh, but then you have 
the Charlotte Hornets, who lost to Orlando, Detroit, Chicago, and Milwaukee. They just continue to, to disappoint as the season goes on. Uh, they can't find any good performances to anchor themselves to. And despite the star power that LaMelo Ball brings to the floor every night, uh, the Hornets just don't have what it takes to be a good team right now. And that's kind of the end of the story when it comes to Charlotte. Okay, let's move on to your player of the week in the NBA. I will give it to Giannis Antetokounmpo for the Milwaukee Bucks. I uh, talked about the fact that the Bucks went 3-0 this week. They were my most impressive team. Uh, he averaged 41.17.3 rebounds and 5.7 assists per game in this 3-0 week. He continues to put himself in the middle of the MVP conversation, as always. Uh, he had a triple-double against Bam Adebayo, who's one of the best defenders in the league, one of the hardest matchups for a guy like him to go against. I mean, he's basically unstoppable, but there, if there are anybody, if there is anybody who can stop him, Bam is maybe one of the guys who can at least kind of slow him down, but that didn't seem to matter this week. I think he went for 35, 11 and 11. I know at some point he had 28, 11 and 11, and I know he ended with 35 points in that game, but not sure if he tacked on some extra rebounds and assists as well. Uh, but look, He'll be in the MVP conversation as always, and the Bucs will always be in title contention as long as Giannis is playing and is healthy in his prime. All right, that ends our look at the NBA for this past week. Let's shift gears and move on to our review of college basketball action, starting with the close games of last week. Well, we're starting to get to the point in the year where even the bubble watch is becoming a little bit more relevant. Doesn't mean I've included as many teams uh, on this list as I will in the future. I'm starting to sprinkle them in a little bit. But I will say it is getting to the heavy point of the season for sure. Uh, Big Monday is back on ESPN if you care about that kind of stuff. Instead of having pretty much only mid-major conference action, there's at least two major conference games on every night. Uh, Duke and Miami are on tonight, which should be a good game. And also Kansas and Texas are on for the second week in a row, uh, which should be an interesting game. Although I will say I have watched both of those teams a ridiculous amount this season. So maybe I probably might take some time to do something else that at that point. Um, but look, close games. Number six, Virginia beat Syracuse 67 to 62. Syracuse definitely could have had a chance to win this game. Uh, just not quite able to pull it out in the end. Uh, Jim Beheim made some questionable comments towards the student reporter after the game. And that was the least notable thing he did of the week. But I won't talk about the other thing as well. You can just look it up. It has something to do with NIL um, and claiming that Pitt and Wake Forest of all teams bought a team. But we will move on from that. Um, number 10, Texas beat number 11 Baylor 76 to 71 this was a great game to watch uh Texas sorry I said Kansas and Texas were playing for the second week in a row it was actually Texas and Baylor last week now that I think about it it was this game uh, but this is a great game uh back and forth affair between arguably the two best teams in the big 12 uh probably not because I think Kansas is definitely up there at least ahead of Baylor uh arguably ahead of uh Texas they can maybe be do their own job in terms of reclaiming that spot tonight with a win, but Texas playing really well. Baylor, this was their first loss in their last, or their only loss actually out of their last, I think seven games in conference after an 0 and three start. Uh, so Baylor playing better, but not able to pull out that win. Speaking of big 12 games, Texas tech got their first big 12 win of the season by beating number 13, Iowa state 80 to 77 in overtime. Uh, this was also the biggest comeback of all time for the Texas tech program. They were down by 23 points in the second half and Iowa state not able to close them out um, allow the game to get into overtime. And then Texas tech eventually won in overtime. Then you have number 15 TCU who beat West Virginia, 76 to 72 West Virginia is a metric darling. Uh, despite being not in the top 25, only been ranked for like a few weeks of the year 
and having nine losses. This was actually a quad one win for TCU, despite the fact that it was a home win, uh, but a good win for TCU. And uh, West Virginia, still a very good team, uh, still definitely a team that can compete in the Big 12 and probably will be a good pick um, in a 6-11 game in the NCAA tournament if they end up with an 11 seed, although I think they might end up higher uh, if they continue to play the way they've been playing recently and pick up some more wins uh, on the way there. And then you have Nevada, who beat number 22 San Diego State, 75-66. to Nevada is trying to play itself off the bubble and make the Mountain West Conference at least a three-bid league, maybe a four-bid league. Uh, we will see what happens with that, but this was a good win in terms of starting that quest. Then you have number 20, sorry, number 23, Miami, who beat Virginia Tech 92-83. to uh, Virginia Tech definitely had a chance to win this game. or leading throughout a little bit of it, but not able to close it out, um, and Miami ends up taking the win. Also would eventually beat Clemson on the road in this week, so a good win for a good week for Miami, I should say. Then in a very, very entertaining close game, number 16, Xavier beat number 18, Providence, 85-83 to in overtime. Xavier missing Zach Fremantle in this game definitely had an impact, but they were still able to beat the Friars. Uh, so a good win for Xavier there. Then you have number three, Houston, who beat Wichita State, 70-61. to A close game for Houston, uh, which has been a trend recently. But look, the one thing with Houston is that every single program in the American is trying to be them. And every single program is trying to beat them. Um, Temple had their first sellout in, I think, a few years, actually, uh, yesterday when they played Houston. So it's not really surprising. Houston is getting everybody's best shot, and they're still able to weather all of them. Actually, ironically enough, both of their losses are at home this year, not on neutral court, not on the road. They are actually undefeated um, away from home. But a close loss to Alabama at home and a close loss to Temple by one uh, at home last week. Uh, but Houston, still a good team. Then let's talk about teams who haven't lost that much either. FAU had their 20-game win streak snapped by UAB. Uh, but UAB was actually favored in this game against number 19 FAU, so it wasn't really an upset. UAB actually the conference uh, pre the conference preseason favorites uh, in the conference of USA. So not actually really surprising that UAB pulled out this win. And as I said, Vegas had them winning the game anyway. Um, UAB is a great backcourt and they overall have a really good team. So it's not very surprising that if there was going to be a team to beat FAU, it would be these guys, but FAU still had an impressive 20 game winning streak going. So nothing to uh, scoff at for UAB. Then you have number 21, Indiana, who beat number one, Purdue 79 to 74, same situation as the UAB game, a uh, team who hasn't lost many games, uh, but yet still the home team favored in a very important matchup, uh, Indiana able to get that win, end up storming the court by the end of the game. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to debate the court storming laws ever again. I don't really feel like it's necessary because it's a week week by week thing. It really changes matchup to matchup. But Indiana able to beat Purdue in the end, and um, they did storm the court. Uh, but then you have number two, Tennessee, who beat number 25, Auburn, 46 to 43. Both teams shot under 30% and under 11% from three in this game. Uh, so not really anything to talk about there other than a controversial no call that actually ended the game. But overall, not too interesting to watch whatsoever. Doesn't leave me thinking very highly of either team. Uh, then you have number four, Alabama, who beat LSU 79 to 69. Possibly the most interesting thing in this game was that LSU took until, I think, eight or so minutes left in the second half of the first matchup to get to 28 points. And in this matchup, they actually did it in the first half. So very, very uh, improved LSU performance there. That team is nowhere near the tournament, though. 
Uh, they were 12 and one, I think, in the non-conference, but they really did not play anybody. And by conference time, they were not ready to play good teams. And I think they're now sitting at 12 and 11. They might have been nine and one non-conference at some point, I think is probably more accurate. But still, uh, LSU wasn't ready for the competition level in the SEC. Uh, NATO's got a technical and then one of his players shushed the ref um, after Alabama hit a three on the next possession, which was pretty funny. Go look at that video if you want a quick laugh. But Alabama overall playing well, uh, definitely a one seed this year if they can keep this up. Uh, actually, one of the four unbeaten teams in their conference still, uh, along with Oral Roberts, and I'm blanking on the other two teams. I don't know. St. Mary's is one of them, and then there's one other team that I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but then you have Virginia Tech, who beat number six Virginia, 74 to 68, able to pull off the upset, beat Virginia at home for the third time in a row, actually. Uh, so Virginia Tech has had some success in that rivalry recently, and it's a good win for Virginia Tech because there aren't many great wins to pick up in the ACC, and as a bubble team, they're going to need some of them, and they got the biggest one that you could get. Uh, then you have number 10, Texas, who beat number seven, Kansas State. Already talked about this game. St. Mary's beat Gonzaga, 78-70 to 70 in overtime. I already talked about that game. I should mention St. Mary's was number 18, Gonzaga was number 12. Uh, but metrics like St. Mary's in the first place, and I also think St. Mary's is a better team than Gonzaga, so that is a notable thing in that game. Uh, and then finally, you have Oklahoma State, who beat number 15, TCU, 79-73. to 73. UConn, number 24, barely beat Georgetown 68-62 to get back-to-back -back wins for the first time since they were actually 14-0 to start the season. Haven't had back-to-back -back wins since then, but finally able to pull out. If you give them the weakest team in the Big East, then they can actually do it. Uh, then you have Rutgers, who beat Michigan State 61-55. to Very important for both the bubble and for Rutgers, who should be a top 25 team in the first place. Then you have Iowa, who beat Illinois 81-79. to Illinois has been... Hot recently, but Iowa still able to pull off the win. They're not an upset, though. All right. Well, then let's move to some upsets from last week. Well, the biggest upset of the week was Boston College beating number 20 Clemson 62 to 54. This was the start of the bad week for Clemson. Uh, but Boston College, not a good team whatsoever. One of the worst in the ACC. That's already a weak, weak enough conference. Uh, and then you have Florida, who beat number two Tennessee 67 to 54. Florida trying to improve their resume as a bubble team. Probably going to need another win over Alabama since they couldn't get the road win against Kentucky later in the week uh, that I will not actually mention, but that did happen. Um, but then you have Michigan who beat Northwestern 68 to 51 uh, Northwestern tired from playing, I think five games in 11 days at this point. And then that eventually became six games, six games in 14 days when they beat Wisconsin on the road, but an interesting little uh, square, I guess you could say that broke out between Michigan, Northwestern, Ohio state and Wisconsin as Michigan went on the road and beat Northwestern and then Ohio state lost at, or, and then sorry, Wisconsin went on the road to beat Ohio state. Uh, and then Michigan was also able to beat Ohio state at home later in the week. And then Northwestern went on the road, bounced back from the Michigan loss, beat Wisconsin on the road, Michigan. It should be noted has swept Northwestern on the season. Um, and Northwestern has swept Wisconsin on the season. Michigan still plays Wisconsin twice. I would say that if that, if those results are indicative of how good the teams are, in those four individual matchups, then Michigan should be able to sweep Wisconsin. And if Michigan's able to get that road win against Wisconsin and also beat them at home, if Michigan can win out at home, including that game against Indiana, that team will probably somehow squeak by and make the tournament after all the turmoil throughout the season. Uh, but finally, with my weekend predictions, uh, number 23, Miami won on the road and beat number 20, Clemson, 78-74. I was debating putting, the, putting this in the upsets or 
in the close games, but Clemson still was expected to have a bounce back after missing some players in the Boston College game that they ended up getting back and then also, you know, get a bounce back from a, a road loss and you should be able to win uh, at home, but Miami able to pull off that upset. All right, let's move on to a few other important games. Well, number four, Alabama beat Vanderbilt 101 to 44. Uh, I put as a note here, wow, bounce back personified because it is true. Alabama absolutely dominated Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is not a bad team. Um, Alabama still should beat them by double digits, but not by as much as they did. I mean, a 67 point win is just, or sorry, a 57 point win is just insane. I mean, 67, 57, who cares? This is a this is a result that Baylor puts up against Mississippi Valley State in the first year in the first game of the year, not something that happens in conference play. Um, and Vanderbilt honestly isn't even the worst team in the SEC, I would argue. So this should not happen. But Alabama was looking for a bounce back after kind of a rough week by their standards, and they were able to get it. Then you have number eight Kansas, who beat number seven Kansas State ninety to seventy eight. Kansas State did have a rough week this week, but I think they've been a little bit overrated considering the fact that they were number seven. I really don't think they were the second best team in the big 12. And I think they were actually ranked. I think they were actually the highest ranked team in the big 12 this week, which makes no sense. Uh, but Kansas is able to take care of them. Then you have Maryland who beat number 21, Indiana 66 to 55. This is kind of a scheduled big 10 road loss uh, for Indiana playing in a tough environment, playing against a good team. This will happen. And yet at the same time, Indiana also kind of maybe looking ahead to Purdue um, and speaking of Purdue, number one, Purdue beat Penn State's 80 to 60 on the road or, or at home, actually, I should say. Uh, Penn State needs to be a lot closer in these types of games to keep improving their metrics. They Their metrics aren't great, but they're going to be a bubble team, so they're going to need that to save them come the end of the season. Then number five, Arizona beat Oregon 91 to 76. Oregon's going to have to pull out one of these big wins soon. They did get the win over Arizona State on the road, uh, so they went one and one in the state of Arizona. They are now hosting the two California teams, UCLA and USC. They probably need to get at least one of those two games to put themselves in serious tournament consideration. And then they really can't lose any games for the rest of the year uh, against any teams that aren't Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA or USC. Maybe you could throw Utah in there too. Uh, and then you have number 22, San Diego State, who beat Boise State 72, 72 to 52. San Diego State getting a bounce back after that loss earlier in the week to Nevada. Uh, Iowa State beat number eight, Kansas. 68 to 53. We talked about that already. And then the last two games of the week, number 16, Xavier beat St. John's 96 to 71. Uh, Xavier not playing a close game this time around, unlike they did with Providence. Uh, and then number three, Houston beat Temple 81 to 65. I told you this, but Temple beat Houston um, in the first matchup of the season on the road. And they were up 37 to 33 at the half in this game, had 20, had 37 points on nine made threes in the first half. And then in the first eight minutes of the second half, only scored four points and had four turnovers, one field goal made to four turnovers in the first eight minutes of the second half. Houston put on an absolute defensive clinic to shut down the Temple Owls and get the much needed win uh, in the American against actually the team that was second place. And this game was actually a battle for first place because Temple would have been in first uh, if they were also nine and two in conference, which they would have been had they gotten the win and they would have had a season sweep over Houston, but Houston was not going to let that happen. Yeah. As you said, Kelvin Sampson much of, must have had one heck of a uh, halftime speech in that game. All right. Well, that wraps up our look back at college basketball for the past week. It also wraps this edition of the fourth and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Monday, February 13th, where we will 
recap Patrick's weekend predictions, take a look back at Super Bowl 57, and once again, have our weekly look at NBA and college basketball action. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his NCAA basketball tournament bracket that will be updated on Tuesday, and his picks for next weekend's games that will be posted, as always, on Thursday. All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.